We are on a series called Grow because it is my conviction that in this year, God wants you to grow. Look to your neighbor and say, he's talking to me. I want to encourage you that this year God wants you to grow. And maybe the growth that God wants isn't the growth that you want. He's not just looking for you to grow in your income or to grow as a church family numerically, but he's looking for us to grow spiritually. He's looking for us to grow in our walk with him. He's looking for us to commit our lives to growth in him, right? And last week we talked about being uh, growing in the area of the word of God and being true to right doctrine and not causing ourselves to be tossed around by every wind of doctrine, but by having an understanding of the basics of the Christian faith and not trying to look for some new knowledge, but to understand that scripture is old but gold. Amen? Amen. Scripture is old but gold. It is good, it is right, it is proper, and we need to adhere to right doctrine. Now, we find our anchor verses in Acts 2, 42 through 47. I'm gonna read those for you today. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with the people. And the Lord added to the number day by day those who were being saved. Come on, let's pray. Father, your word is blessed, but would you give us ears to hear, a heart to understand, and a spirit, Lord, a spirit, Lord, to put into action what you are speaking over your sons and over your daughters. Lord, this year as a church, we want to commit ourselves to grow in you and to be known by you, Father God, in a greater capacity through our relationship with you. We pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Come on, the church says, amen. Amen. Man, 2020 and 2021 were some two very hard back-to-back years for many people. I remember that um, maybe just last year, it was actually last year, that there were a number of just difficult days back-to-back. Now, if you're like me, sometimes daily life can overwhelm you. All of you are perfect. It's fine. It's just me, right? That maybe the day-to-day functions of life can just overwhelm you. Or that life itself can just be, it just gets your mind racing, get your thoughts going. And at various intervals in the year, you were just dealing with maybe the anxieties of life or just the worries of everyday living. I remember this one particular day where I don't, I think it was a Sunday. I could be wrong. I can't really remember. But I remember this day that I was just not feeling myself. And, and when you're not feeling yourself, instinctively, you just want to be by yourself. Right, <laughs> right Daisy? You know what I'm talking about, Daisy? Because if not, you might, you, you might snap at somebody. You might say the wrong thing to somebody. Somebody might want to encourage you that day, and you ain't in an encouraging mood. You're more like a leave me alone kind of mood. You're more like I want to chop you in the throat kind of mood. You're more like I got my own issues. Aren't you over your issues yet? It was that day that a, a knock came on the back door, and I, I hadn't invited nobody over. I was in my, I was in my, my houseware. I was sitting there, my, you know, did the Puerto Rican thing. Like, who's there? Why? Like, who's there? I'm like, I don't know. Why are we whispering? It's our house. I go to the back door, I open the back door, and there is Steven and Yoshi Plaza. And they had ice cream in their hands, and they came in, and they were just like, hey, we came to give you ice cream. I'm just like, okay. Seven hours later, <laughs> with fellowship, fun, and laughter, they left. Now, Steven has this thing, when Steven laughs, I laugh. Everybody laughs. 
There's something about Stephen's infectious laugh that when Stephen starts, and it could be the dumbest, most like elementary joke. We'll say the stupidest. It could be a poop joke, whatever it is. And we're crying. We're just crying. I texted him last night. Why did Tigger look in the toilet? He was looking for poo. And we're just, <laughs> we're texting back and forth. Ha <laughs> ha It's just like, where'd you get that from? The internet, it never fails, right? But when they left, I, I went to my wife and I said, I didn't realize how much I needed fellowship. Didn't realize how much my heart needed to be lifted by another who cared just as much about me as I cared about them. And I think that in 2020 and 2021, one of the things in the community of believers across the nation that I'm hearing from pastors that is taking the biggest hit is community in and of itself. It's the hanging out. It's the fellowship. We are now in this cycle of I'm going to run in. I'm going to run out. I'm going to hang out with everybody outside of church, but I won't hang out with nobody in church or from the church because I'm afraid of COVID apparently. (laughs) Won't go to church, but I go to the mall and to Walmart and to everywhere else. I said it. (laughs) And we'll use... For some people, it's a serious anxiousness or worry, but for others, it's just, it's an excuse that we've built up. We've we shined it. We've made it in packaging. You know, I have issues. You know, I'm fearful. I'm just like, well, this is, God's not giving me a spirit of fear, but the power of love inside of mine. And so community has taken a hit. You know, even with our church services, we couldn't hold breakfasts no more. We couldn't hold Wednesday dinners no more right? People were running in the church, running out. We were like, leaving with the ushers to let you out. You get out the building. Just leave. Get out. Get out. And, and across the nation, that community took a hit. And churches are struggling to rebuild community in their churches. And I was talking to a number of pastors, but as I prayed about it, even during 10 days last year, the number one thing I talked to the staff about, all the employees was, hey guys, we need to look next year to do less as a church in terms of works and things, but just to work on building up love of what's going on in others. What does it look like for our church to do less in 2022 in terms of trying to do actions and work and be everywhere at all over the place, but what does it look like to build more community in the house? And one of the areas where I want to challenge you that God is challenging us that we see in the early church in the book of Acts is that they were in deep community and fellowship with one another. I remember Stephen leaving my house that day and those verses Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10 came alive to me where it says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. The next verse is that three, a three-stranded cord is not easily broken. And you hear that read a lot about marriage, but it's not talking about marriage at all. Because two are one in God's eyes in marriage. Yeah. It's talking about when you have somebody who is not you itself to be able to lift you up when things are down. Because everybody knows in marriage, when your wife is down, you might be down. When your husband's up, you might be up. When your husband's down, you might be down. But when there's a relational person around you, community of people around you, you can be able to grow in, your, in yourself and to be, get out of pits because they can help you out, because they can encourage you through what you are going through, amen? The psalmist, David said in Psalms 122 verse 1, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Many years ago, the Lord told me the most important word in that scripture is they. That David had people around him who pushed him into community and fellowship with other people. That David was excited about going to the house of God because he had a tribe of people who were willing to go with him. When you come to church, it's about community and fellowship, not just with God, but with his people. Are you with me so far? Now, community at its most basic level and definition, it's this idea where the members of a church body of believers... Do life together as they serve God together. 
That's what the Bible teaches us, that we must do life together. And here's the cool part, that nobody is exempt from this and that everybody needs somebody. That day that Stephen and Yosha came in my house, it encouraged me to begin to realize that community is what you need when you feel at your worst, not isolation. I want to speak to you for a few minutes on this simple topic entitled that we are better together. That as a church body, we are better together. Now, the verses that we just read are like a blueprint for the church to be able to exhibit, to look at, to see what God did in the early church, the methods and actions of the early church. Verse 42 talks about this all the way down to verse 47. They had these large temple gatherings, or they would meet in the synagogues across various cities. They would have their corporate services, and then they would go together, and they would find friends and find community with other people, and they would actually meet together in the homes to study the word of God. And the Bible says they broke bread together. And it's not just talking about the bread of the Lord's Supper. It's talking about they actually made meals and they fed one another. And they had this identity of corporate fellowship above and beyond the temple gatherings and the synagogue gatherings. There was a sense of oneness in the church. The Bible says that they devoted themselves to fellowship. That's big, guys. They devoted themselves. The Greek word for fellowship is the word koinia, which it, it, by definition, it means the fellowship in participation with one another. Yeah. That we do life together. The early church had this focus on fellowship through food and fellowship because food makes everything better. Right. If you don't believe me, just try it. I'm waiting for a gym to open up where there's food there. It's like a donut shop inside the gym. You know, a pizza, something. All right, I digress, I digress. Okay, but there's an importance around community and the breaking of bread together as a church body. I want to tell each and every one of you, I told you last week that we needed a revival and right doctrine and in our love for the word of God, we need a revival in community. And what I mean is that we need God to breathe on the fact that we need fellowship and to open our eyes to not look to be all by ourselves and to do this on our own and just to be a part of a church, but to actually be the church and be in fellowship with one another. Here's point number one, real simple, that community is a central theme in the church. Community is a central theme in the church. And what I mean by that church is really important is this, is that it's not a peripheral thing for for God. It's not a side thing. It's a central thing. That it's Jesus built his ministry on a community of brothers. Truth be told, we need community. But here's what I understand, that community takes commitment. I'm going to say that again. Community takes commitment. Because when you're down and out, the last thing you are thinking about is hanging out with somebody. You'd rather be in your feelings because our feelings are our rut. It's easier to be in our feelings and to reinforce our own negative opinions about others than to actually invite somebody to our home or go out to dinner with them or lunch or grab coffee and talk about what God's doing in our life and open our eyes that, you know what? Life is not what I thought it was. Things are good. I'm not by myself. God is with me. The very idea of community for some people, it drains your mental energy. You tell, you tell a wife that and all they're thinking about is dishes and cleaning up. And who's going to help me? Right? And then the men are thinking about who am I going to invite? <laughs> I'm playing, man. I'm playing. But there's a draining on you. You're like, oh, household people, when are they going to leave? Are we going to set a time for them to go? 
Are they going to get the hint when I'm tired? <laughs> like, it, we think about all these things. It can be draining to think about actually deep fellowship. The truth is that you have to be intentional and commit yourself to, commit to community. You got to commit yourself to it. The early church had a commitment to the rhythm of fellowship on a day-to-day basis. There was a rhythm of fellowship on a day-to-day basis in the early church. And in the New Testament, this type of commitment of hospitality is central. It's a central idea in the church, meaning that it's a really big thing in the eyes of God. The idea of fellowship and community are not a side issue. It's a central issue. Listen to what Jesus says about the sheep who make it to heaven who, and what they do for the least of these, right? Matthew 25, 35. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Jesus is talking about hospitality there. Yeah. Loving people you don't know. Loving people who can't do anything for you and loving people and loving on them in a great capacity. Now, here's the truth. It's easy to love on people you don't know. Because yeah. you can feel, walk away feeling real deep and spiritual. <laughs> I blessed someone today. I did this today. I walked in my calling. I did this. But how about the people you know? Yeah. That you, you're with every day. Can you love them? How about the people at church? Can you love them? Can you love the people who are sitting around you? Do you even know the people sitting around you? Do you care about their situation? And do you love them to that place? The emphasis of the early church family was not just as much for the lost as much as it was for the family of God. There was a dual emphasis on lost people and a dual emphasis on the family of God. When Acts, in Acts 16, 15, when Lydia gets saved, the first thing Lydia does is she invites people into her home to fellowship. She says, I've had such an experience with God. Let the fellowship of my heart overflow into you guys. In Romans 12, 13, Paul tells the church in Rome to seek to be hospitable. In other words, you better look to be hospitable to other people. In 1 Timothy 3, 2, Paul tells Timothy that if you're going to be a pastor in the church, if you're going to be a Christian elder or a leader, if you can't have people go to your house, you're disqualified from being a pastor. He tells Titus in Titus 3 that if a bishop can't have people in their home and be hospitable, they're disqualified as being a bishop. A lot of folks just got disqualified. Your home is not your secret place. Your home is not some some place of just like, it's just for me and mine. It's my solitude. It's my peace. Well, it's a peace that God wants you to give somebody else a piece of. As a matter of fact, it goes even further. Later on in 1 Timothy, Paul, speaking of helping widows, he tells Timothy, hey, Timothy, if the widows are not willing to actually give and be hospitable to others, don't give them other food. That's, I'll read it to you. 1 Timothy 5.10. And having a reputation for good works, if she has brought up children and has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work, those are the qualifications to get food and money from the church. Are you going to be hospitable? Are you going to let people in your house? Are you going to break bread with people? Are you going to wash the feet of the saints? Right? Have you cared for those who are afflicted? Have you devoted yourself to every good work? In Matthew 22, 2, Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven to a father who prepares a feast for a son. Can I ask you, who are you preparing a feast for? Who are you setting the table for? Because God set the table for us. Who do you set the table for? That's God's heart. 
that he set the table for us so that we can do it for others. The best examples of community outside of the book of Acts, chapter 2, is Jesus and 12 disciples. They were in deep community. Jesus set the table for the Last Supper. They fellowshiped and broke bread together. And some of y'all are more worried about the one Judas than the 11 other disciples. There's going to be a lot of Judases, and that's all right. They're a dime a dozen, but you're going to find in the mix of them, besides the people who will backstab you and betray you, you will find those who are lifelong people. Jesus wrote it out with the other 11, and they changed the world. Why are you worried about Judas? 1 John 1, 7, but if you walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. If you are saved, you have fellowship with one another. If you do not have fellowship, you should ask yourself, Lord, where is the depth of my communion with you? For I only commune with you, but not my brothers and sisters who are in your image. Am I in communion at all? Romans 12, 5, so being many are one body in Christ and every one members of one another. We're better together. We're in this together. This idea of community and fellowship is central in the New Testament. And know this today. You need to be intentional about community in your life and engaging with others as you do life together because it takes serious commitment. you got to be intentional. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Community is so central. It takes real commitment from every one of us. But why is community important? Like, what does it do for me? Why should I be inviting people? Why should I go out to coffee with somebody who I don't know? Why should I take the time to get to know people who are in the church but that I don't really know that well? Why is this imperative? Well, besides the early church doing it, I'll tell you why. Here's point number two, that in community, there is communion. In community, there is communion. And I'm not talking about just communion as the Lord's Supper. I'm talking about communion on a deep level. Communion defined is the sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings, especially on a mental or spiritual level. That when you're in communion with somebody, you are sharing your heart with them, you are sharing your life with them, and by virtue of that, your hearts are blended together. That in the moments of community and communion and fellowship and the breaking of bread and meals happening, you begin to see why God loves that person so much. You begin to see how great they are, regardless of their flaws, and your heart goes out towards them, and when you walk away, you carry those brothers and sisters in your hearts that's communion communion properly denotes having all things in common in participation with your life and friendship it's these times of fellowship where you realize i'm not alone in what i'm struggling with it's in those moments beyond those moments when you realize I got the same hope as you, the same joy as you, the same mess as you, the same faith as you, the same miracles as you. You were born there too. I was born there. I went to school there too. You did? Oh my goodness. We got so many things in common. Because in community, there is communion. You see, communion brings out the organism of the organization called the church. It brings alive the things that God calls us to be. In communion, you bear the burdens of those who are heavy-hearted and hurting in their lives. Maybe they have anxieties and worries, but you can bear their burdens in prayer. In communion, we share our hearts. We share the scripture. We share what God is saying to us without trying to outdo one another and be in a competition of who's the deepest. The Lord's been saying, guys, you don't always have to break out the Bible either. Sometimes it's just fellowship, food, and fun. 
Sometimes it's a bunch of friends getting together for a game night with a prayer. Sometimes it's a bunch of people getting together and bringing food together. Food makes everything good. Especially if it's good food. Many years ago, me and my wife were doing this thing with some of our friends where we, we had two other couples and we had a very private meeting called Bam Day and we would take and we would just, the three couples would get together and one couple would make breakfast, the other couple would make lunch, the other couple would make dinner, all in the same house. We spent the entire day, nine to nine together, watching old movies, hanging out. No, no, no intention of anything, just having fun. Just fellowship, playing games, playing word games, playing word games, just dumb stuff, watching old movies being silly, but our hearts being knit together. Yeah. Fellowship, community. You see, the beauty of the revival in the book of Acts, it brought diverse pieces of the culture together that never would have otherwise been together. Because in Jesus' disciples were people who were tax collectors, sinners, common men, educated men, political radicals like Simon the Zealot, Different people who were, who were like from all different walks of life came together. The beauty of the gospel is that in the gospel, many come together as one. Where Paul says in Galatians, there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Gentile. You're all one in Christ. There ain't no black or white in Christ. We're all one. There ain't no Hispanic or this or that. There's no hierarchy of cultures. We are all one. And in community, we experience that communion that one day we will experience for all of eternity with our Heavenly Father. But for now, he calls us to do it with one another. Previously separated, we're now united with a common purpose. And he who was once lost is now found. And you can discover and share how you came to Christ and what God has done in your life. I'm not talking about some social club. I'm not talking about just you and one or two friends. I'm talking about a circle and a tribe of people who God has called you to fellowship with and to love on. There's a vast difference between your small clique and real community. There's a big difference besides that. God's not calling you to the one or two. He's calling you to all. One member, body, all. We have to realize to broaden our horizons, open our eyes, have a bigger view of the gospel, a bigger view of the kingdom, and realize there's more to God than just me coming to church on Sundays and running out because I'm scared. Many times we don't go into community because we're scared that people will find out who we really are. God already knows who you really are. It doesn't matter. True community, you can be in any condition you're in and people are going to love you. Does it matter? Community where the Spirit binds our hearts together. He knits us like a fabric, like a, like a tapestry of a quilt, and he brings us together into the house of God. In community, by communion, the Spirit blends our hearts together. My wife says to me all the time that if I met you when you weren't saved, I might have not given you the time of day. My response was, <laughs> I didn't need time, I had a watch. But she says jokingly to me, maybe seriously, that maybe she wouldn't like me if I wasn't saved. There might be people in this room who weren't your cup of tea in high school. But in the gospel, they're your friend, your brother, your sister. That maybe you look at them and they remind you of somebody you don't like. And that's why you don't talk to them. They, just, I, they remind me of somebody. I just I got a feeling. God don't care about your feeling. Leave those discernments to the leadership. God don't care about that. Leave those discernments alone. Be wise, but understand that God called you to love all people. For how can they ever change if you don't exhibit Christ to them? You have to understand this. There is a place of community God is calling you to, a place of fellowship. 
the people of God that you would otherwise never have had a relationship with because you would have clashed with them. They were the, the girl or the boy you always wanted to fight in the club. They were the part of the crew who you hated them. You were never friends in high school. You were never friends in grammar school. You hated each other in your party life. And God's like, that's your best friend. In the gospel, I want you to be besties with them. You're like, what, God? What? Because in the kingdom, we are all one family. Old to young, young to old, black to white, Hispanic to Asian. It doesn't matter. God says we are all one. In any other scenario, you would have never met that person, contacted them, been friends with them. But in the kingdom, God says, I want you to be one with them. Community isn't about cliques. It's about circles. Circles of friends. Circles of community. Circles of people who are in line with the will of God for your life and love you. In community, we share our love, we share our hearts, we share our food, both physical and spiritual. We share of ourselves to the other people. That when people come in, they should be able to experience the community of the body of Christ. They should be able to experience the love that is in the house of God. We need an outpouring of that community in the house of God more than ever, right? Whether it's in large settings, whether it's in a small group setting, whether it's a couple of people in a coffee shop, whether it's a couple of people sitting around the the fireplace, whatever it is, the Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, there shall I be in the midst of them. It's in those settings where God sharpens us. Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. It's in that community where God molds our hearts together. Come on, you with me, church? It's in community. You need community. I'll close with this thought. In Acts 2, 42, I'll read it again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. Community is a central theme in the church. It's not some side thing for God. It's central. Hospitality is central in God's eyes. Somebody say central. Secondly, inside a community, there is communion. There is this depth of communion where God blends hearts together, where God does his best work joining us, joins us together. I don't know about you, but maybe the fellowship and the people that you are looking for are in the community you refuse to have. Maybe it's in the fellowship you're refusing and you're just thinking, well, I don't know about this place. I don't know about that person or this person. God's like, if you would just fellowship with them, carry their burdens, love on them, stop making excuses, be hospitable. God's really serious about this hospitality thing. He says, be hospitable. I know. We're at the point in the service where we kind of have to address the, the baby elephant that's in the room. There's a baby elephant in the room, in case you don't know that, um, it's, it's called antisocialness. It's called introverts. Here's, here's the truth. Some of you just don't like being around people. It's the truth. Some of y'all just like, don't want to, you're very selective. You're okay going to somebody else's place, but you never bring somebody to your place. Many times you'd rather be alone by yourself rather than being community because community has been hard for you in the past. And you're judging current location by past community. And you're taking all of your past hurts and bringing it to your current community and you're just reproducing the same issues over and over and over in your life. And you're in this cycle. You're in this vicious cycle. And I want to challenge you that here's an important truth, that nowhere in the New Testament does God tell you to do this Christian life with just one or two. Nowhere in this gospel does the Bible tell you to do Christianity by yourself. 
But the scripture teaches us that we are actually supposed to be in fellowship with one another. As a matter of fact, it forbids the Lone Ranger mindset. It forbids it. We're called to be in, somebody say community. For some of you, maybe it's you don't like bringing people to your home because you don't like your home. But when you don't like what God has provided, what you're saying is this, because you're embarrassed of it. What you're saying is, I'll despise the day of small beginnings. Oh, yeah, that hurt. Well, I ain't got all my furniture yet. If they're coming for furniture, they're coming for the wrong reason. Well, I ain't got, you know, I just don't have all my decor right. You know, my rugs are bad. I just, I just got the apartment I could afford. And they're going to love you for who you are, not what you have. Maybe you have pushed against fellowship because you feel like you don't have the resources to bring people to love on them to whatever else. You can find unique ways to be able to have fellowship, to be in community with people beyond just you and a few, but to realize the scripture is so clear. There's a vast array of the body of Christ out there, and he commands us to be in community with them where we as an organization become the organism and we bring life to one another in this church body. Paul, Peter rather said it like this. Peter said it like this in 1 Peter 2, 5. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Here's why. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Here's what he's saying. That every time we get together as a body of Christ, that each of you become a brick in God's hands. It's a living stone. That you are a living stone where he builds a proverbial a spiritual house where in that house, like we did this morning, praises and sacrifices go up. Sacrifices of praise and worship and also of our resources. We bring offerings to God. That's what he's saying. But the problem is, is that for many of us, fellowship and community is outside of our comfort zone. And so we don't ever step outside the comfort zone. We're okay coming to church, but I'm running on afterwards. We're okay coming to church, but we, we are not down to make a friend. And then the first one who rejects me and reinforces all of my negative associations and thoughts about church, and they reinforce them. I'm like, you know what? I knew it. I knew it. These people are fake. <laughs> it's like, that was one person out of like 500, and you're like, the whole place is, just, come on. Come on, get a grip. Maybe, maybe your connectors are broken. Maybe you have unresolved issues of unforgiveness. Maybe you have unresolved issues of bitterness and anger and hatred. You've got to deal with those things. But Peter says, Peter says, hey, you're a living stone. You're a living stone. But, he, but the issue is that you can't become the living stone until you come out of that, that place of comfort. You have to come out. Here's point number three. I'll close with this. The community shifts us from a comfort zone to a living stone. It takes us from this place of like, I want to be here because it's comfortable and it's like what I'm used to and I don't want to push too hard and I don't want to go too hard. This is good. I don't need friends right now. I just, me and you, God, just, we'll figure it out. And God's like, bro, you, you, need, you need a friend. <laughs> but community takes commitment. It's not easy. Especially when you're down, the last thing you want to do is have somebody come over that you have to encourage. I had a friend of mine the other day, he, he texted me. He, he watches all my sermons. He lives out of state. He's going to watch this. And he, he started the text message with, I know you're probably busy. You don't have to respond. And then he sent me a book about his life. I said, Lord, I rejoice in the fact that he said, I don't have to respond. I didn't. I'm at this place in my life where I realize that you messaging me does not 
mean I must respond when I, whenever I want to. I don't have to feel that pressure. I will, but I got time. Drea celebrated way too hard on that. I didn't respond, and I felt bad, and, and I responded days later, but, but I was at that place where I probably just needed some fellowship. What you'll find is this, is that sometimes encouraging somebody else through what they're going through is exactly what you need to get you out of what you're going through. There has never been a moment in my life, and I say this word never and I mean never, there has never been a moment in my life where I've operated in my gifting that have not been set free from what I was going through in that moment. There has never been. And so at my lowest point, God would send people for me to preach to because that's what I do. He would send somebody for me to encourage because I'm an encourager. He would send somebody to me to, to cast vision for another pastor. I'm in the best of despair, but I've got another pastor here. I need help. And I'm like, all right, let's go to lunch. But in that, God would do something in my heart because I would realize it's bigger than just me. You need community, church. And it might be out of your comfort zone, but out of your comfort zone, you become a living stone for God. It might seem draining, but when it's done right, it empowers you and it releases blessing. See, outside of your own small circle, there's a vast array of beautiful people in the body of Christ who God is calling you to love on and to gather with. And as we gather as a church every Sunday, there should be other micro-gatherings of your own accord. You don't need the church to facilitate it for you. We've got so used to the church being programmed that you think there has to be a program for it. Just go love on people. Now, if there's areas of your lives where you're hindered, maybe unresolved issues, unforgiveness towards brothers and sisters, maybe resentments towards leaders, you need to deal with that. That's an issue with you and God. I mean, looking back at that day that Stephen and Yoshi came to my house, it was the very thing that I needed. I could have prayed, but there was nothing that would have done more than the fellowship of a brother and sister in Christ. There's nothing that could have done it. I could have shot my way through it and felt good for a second. But man, when you have a brother or sister who comes in and doesn't even address the issue, but just does life with you, it does something in your spirit. That in fellowship, there's this communion of the binding of spirits where God comes together and sews you together. I'll put it to you like this. Community is like chicken soup for a sick soul. Community is like chicken soup for the sick soul where you get with somebody and you're just like, mm. Puerto Rican chicken soup for the record. With the right spices in Jesus' name. My daughter went to a pizzeria and ordered chicken soup and she expected mom's soup. Ha! She's, there's nothing in this. There's nothing, nothing at all. So salt and pepper and salt and pepper. And says, it's not working, Dad. Hot sauce, whatever I could. Okay, it's a little bit better. Because when it's made with love, it's made different. He wants you to shift from being in your comfort zone to being a living stone. But here's the real question. On serious note, all jokes aside, both online and in-house, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Here's the real question. Who can you look around today that you don't know in this room and invite them to dinner? Yep, I said it. Some of y'all are all taking notes now. Everyone's looking down now, taking notes. <laughs> I'm taking no- y'all not taking notes. Cut that out. 
Don't want to make eye contact. Is he talking to me? Yes, I am. Who is in this room that is close to you, close to God that you can find new love for? Who in this room is an unfamiliar face to you but so familiar to God you can grab a coffee for and love on them? Who in this room is a married couple who needs another married couple to strengthen them? Who in this room is a young woman who needs a wife to be able to strengthen her? Who in here is a young man who needs another married man to model marriage for him? Who in here is a young dad who hasn't had a dad who needs dad and fatherhood to be models for him? Come on, that happens in community. That doesn't happen from pulpit instruction. That happens in community. I remember one day I went out with this brother in church and, and, and I took him out to, 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 to Bon Chans and then we went to my house. We just hung out. We just hung out all day. And later that evening he texted me. He says, thank you so much. You taught me. I learned so much today. And I, I was so confused. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he says, I've never seen a marriage in motion and I've never seen a family in motion. And seeing how you are with your daughters is going to help me be a better dad to my kids because I never had that. And what I thought was just a dinner, a meal, and whatever else, for that person was a life instruction. It was a life lesson. You don't know who you can impact. You don't know what you're going to be able to bring to somebody's life. It's in those moments. I want to challenge you today. How can you escape your, your comfort zone and build community in your life? Stop escaping community and living in your comfort zone, but actually go for community. It's in those moments where God can set your heart ablaze for one another and for love can be restored in the church at a deep place where you bear one another's burdens. It's in those moments where you laugh together, you cry together. We need a revival in fellowship in church. The diners used to love churches because they were always full after church. Now it's just you by yourself. <laughs> grab, a, grab a meal, go home, and go to Netflix. And God's like, what could you do with this time to fellowship with somebody else? You wives out there, there are young women in this church who need you. You married men, there are young men in this church who need you. You married couples, some of you need each other. In this place. All you single people, find somebody in Jesus' name. Okay. <laughs> The early church was focused on building this real community. Community that brought communion to their souls and community, a communion, communion rather, that brought like this deep love for one another. I want to challenge you today. When you leave today, find somebody in this house right here, right now, today, you do not know. Exchange numbers and set a time to fellowship. Got one amen. Thank you, Jim. Everybody else is like, I don't know about that, Pastor, right here. Here's what I want to challenge you. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. You be the one doing it. Whether it's today, tomorrow, this week, and then don't just cancel, 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 reschedule, reschedule, cancel. For that matter, find two people in case the other one's a flake. And if they're both not flakes, I, I, I'm busy. I'm booked up. I'm hanging out with Daisy. I can't. I can fit you in uh, next week. I'm, I got Carlos and Becky next week. I can fix you in the next week after that. But your life should be filled with fellowship. I'm going to say that again. Your life should be filled with fellowship. We have so much time for so many things in the world. This principle in Scripture, when done right, it can set the church on a path you could not begin to imagine of real, serious move of God where there's fellowship. First, the Word of God. Secondly, fellowship. We'll cover the next one next week. Come on, stand with me as we pray. I want to challenge you, don't wait for nobody else. You do it yourself. Do it yourself today.
You should be looking around, scoping the crowd. I want to say no, no, uh, no hormonal evangelism today. Look for another man, another woman to be able to hang out with in Jesus' name. But I want to challenge you. I want to seriously, I want to challenge you today. Somebody say this with me. Today. today. Look for somebody in this room to fellowship with. I don't care how old they are, how young they are. Find somebody and say, I want to fellowship with you today, this week, sometime. Amen? Let's bow right heads. Father, there are so many things that, that we're bringing before you over this new year. But Lord, in this moment, we bring before you the community of our church and our body of believers. And we ask you now that you would restore in us the joy and love for one another that we're called to have by Scripture. We want to be an Acts 2.42 church, devoted to fellowship, devoted to love, devoted to community. Because in that time of community, Jesus, you blend hearts. You heal. You restore. You restore faith in people. You restore faith in the church. You restore faith in the body. Today, today, would you give us a boldness to fellowship and to be in community like never before. That January is a month of radical community in Citywide Church. Come on, both online and in-house. That we're finding people to fellowship and to be in community with. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, the church says. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. Go find a friend.